Well, you know, there was, a, there was a man, he was an old cowboy, as a matter of fact. He was an old cowboy, and he has spent the majority of his life out on the prairie herding cattle. And I think you could probably say he was somewhat of, a, of an expert cow guy. You know, I don't know if that's, if that's a particular right phrase, but that's kind of what he was. And every winter, he kind of observed the same things, that winter would be intense, there was a lot of freezing rain, there was blowing snow, and it just got cold. It was cold. I can only imagine how cold it was out on some of the prairies of like Wyoming and Montana and the Dakotas, and I can't even imagine, Colorado. Well, here's what he observed. When a really bad storm would come along, cattle would move downwind. So the way the wind was blowing, they would go in that same direction. And then they would finally come to a barrier where they couldn't go any farther, like a fence or, or something such as that. Well, then they'd gather together and they'd huddle, and, and, and the, the wind would just keep blowing. What he found is that over the course of that particular winter season, many of those cattle perished. But he also observed something else. There was another breed of cow, a Hereford, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. They did something a little different. They walked into the wind, not downwind, they walked into the wind. And as a result of that, most of them survived. And here was his observation. He says, you, must, you almost always found the Herefords alive and well. He says, I guess the greatest lesson that I, that I have learned on the prairie is just to meet adversity head on and face life's storms. I'm telling you, that is, that is incredibly insightful. To face life's adversities head on. Well, all of us at some point in life are going to face opposition, criticism, adversity, and difficulty. And in our study of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was not immune to opposition. And what we see in the book of Nehemiah is really kind of his personal memoir. I think that's one way of phrasing it. Of his journey from being a part of uh, the, the administration of Persia and then to kind of a general contractor in Jerusalem and then all the way to being a governor in Jerusalem. And in that journey, one of the things that remained a very common theme was opposition, opposition. But one of the things that I think we see very, very clearly in Nehemiah's experience is that he faced opposition head on. And he did it in a way that was extraordinarily godly. And it really helps us because there are going to be times you and I will face opposition. Look with me, if you would, to Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, how can you follow along with us? Well, you can do that on YouVersion. And many of you may already be there, but if not, you can find the link in the YouTube description down below. Just click on that link. It'll take you to YouVersion, and you'll have all of the scriptures and all of the notes, and it'll give you a wonderful way to follow along with us. Nehemiah chapter number four, beginning at verse one. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? <clears throat> Tobiah the Yemenite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing on it, up on it would break down the wall, their wall of stones. 
Hear us, our God, for we're despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up, <coughs> excuse me, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted against, they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you will encourage us, strengthen us, and bring life to us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to do, <coughs> excuse me, for just a few minutes, I want to give you six words that will help us face opposition head on. And I believe we see these very, very much illustrated in the life of Nehemiah. The first word is this, inevitability. Inevitability. From the moment Nehemiah began to rebuild the walls, we've had the privilege of, of getting to know Sanballat and his buddies, Tobiah and Geshem, and now he's, he's, he's got the, the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod. They've all joined in as well. And there really is an all-out bashing taking place of Nehemiah and the people. And it is, it is relentless. And it's really important to understand that it's not a matter if opposition comes your way and my way, but it's when. Opposition is inevitable. There's no way around it. Anyone, listen to this carefully. Anyone working for God, anyone working for God can anticipate opposition in some form or other. It is inevitable. When we, when we look back at what these guys have been doing just in these first few chapters of Nehemiah, they started with being very much disturbed, then being mildly amused, and now they are greatly incensed. Opposition is inevitable, and I wonder... If you faced opposition, maybe you've asked the question, why, why am I facing opposition? What, what is it that has caused this to happen? Well, I want to give you seven reasons. Now, I'm sure there are a, a thousand reasons why, but I want to give you seven. I think one of those reasons is because of other successes. Now, what do I mean by that? Some people are simply threatened when you have success. They don't like it. They don't like that you are being successful, and they push back against it. You see, the guys in this story, they could lose their influence. They could lose position. They could have financial threats here, and they're not going to stand for it. They, they do not like Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem being successful. The second reason is just jealousy. It's just jealousy. You see, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and the, and the crew, they despised the Jews, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10, this is what we read. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. That's just the truth. They were jealous. They didn't want anything good happening to the people of Jerusalem. The third reason is they're just different agendas. Sam Bell and Tobiah had one agenda. 
And that agenda probably was mostly promoting themselves and their own interests. Nehemiah had another agenda. That was to promote the welfare of the Jews, but to ultimately honor God. There were different agendas. Whatever it was, it doesn't really matter. It's just that it's what the other person wants doesn't match up with what is here. And there's conflict. There's criticism. There's opposition. Another reason is feeling excluded. Now, on the one side of this, it might be a little bit legitimate to say, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm a part. Well, but here's, here's what you need to understand or what we need to understand. From the very beginning, Nehemiah made it clear. He said to Sanballat, he says, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. You see, this, they, they were foreigners. They were interested in their own thing. Their own stuff. And Nehemiah said, you have no interest here. You have no historic right to this. And so therefore, they felt excluded because they felt excluded. They pushed back. They opposed everything that Nehemiah did. Fifth, they just disliked change. They just disliked change. They didn't want the status quo messed with for their own interests. And honestly, there are people in our lives too that you know, when we propose a change or start doing things a little bit different, whatever that might be, they're going to push back. I guess another reason is they question Nehemiah's motives. They, they went after his motives. In fact, this is what they said. They said, what is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And the truth of the matter was he was not rebelling against the king. He was doing everything he was doing with the authority of the king. But they, but what are they doing? They're questioning his motives. They're, they're trying to cast doubt upon anybody who might hear their threats. And then finally, finally, Satan's involvement. Yes, the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, has no desire for anything good to happen in your life or in mine. And he's going to oppose us at every step. Now, I don't think everything that happens in our life is because of his involvement. But I want to tell you, he is involved. He's going to make... He's going to do what he can to make my life and your life miserable. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay, that's kind of his mission statement. And understand this. When you stand on the devil's toes, he's going to react. He's going to react. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be careful and watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Remember, expect opposition when we do anything for God. It's inevitable. But also remember this. Blessings emerge in affliction or opposition or criticism, which are rarely found in periods of ease. God is going to do something in the middle of opposition that we might not expect, but he's going to show himself great on your behalf and on my behalf. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Listen to this. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Amen. Amen. It's inevitable. Opposition's inevitable. The second thing is to pray. To pray. You might be thinking, man, this guy talks so much about prayer. Yeah, I do. And I'm going to continue to talk a lot about prayer. Why? It is so important, especially when you face opposition. So here's what happens. 
Sanballat and the crew come after, come after Nehemiah and everything that the people are doing. And what do you see next in the text? Hear us, our God. Nehemiah immediately takes this particular moment of opposition to God in prayer. We can never spend too much time thinking, reflecting, and talking about prayer. And Nehemiah prayed an amazing prayer. He did so urgently. He prayed urgently. What we observe in his first course of action is to pray. It's an urgent prayer. He didn't retaliate against his enemies. He didn't become defensive. He doesn't argue. He prays. He prays urgently. In fact, I, I read this, uh, this quote from Charles Swindoll. He said, never am I more, never am I used of God more than when I am praying for my critics. Never am I used of God more than when I am praying for my critics. And I, I want to encourage you today, the opposition that maybe you're experiencing today, if it has the form of, of individuals are pushing, pray for them. Pray for them. God will bless in that James 5.13 says, if any, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Pray. He also prayed honestly. He prayed honestly. He pulls no punches. And there's something here that I, I think is so very important. Look at chapter, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads, on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insult, insults in the face of the builders. Understand this. It is perfectly okay to tell God exactly what you're thinking. And you could see that in Nehemiah. He just, he just, God, this is what's going on. Not only is this what's going on, and here's my very, very quick, <laughs> quick translation of this. God, get them. Get them. Don't let them off the hook, Lord. You see what they're doing? Get them. That's what he's saying. You say, well, that doesn't sound very godly. Well, isn't it better to just kind of express your concerns and the hurts and the stuff that's going on to God rather than just blowing, else, blowing up somebody else? What would that be like if, if we were to just, you know, just unload on the people that are opposing or criticizing us? You see, Scripture says it this way, that a, a, a harsh, a, a rather a soft answer, a gentle answer, just what it does, it, it, it soothes it, the harshness of others. You see, it's perfectly okay to just express ourselves to God. Tell him what you're thinking. And then also, not only did he pray urgently and honestly, but he also played, prayed realistically. As he prays, here's this phrase, they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Now from the, out, from the, from the outside, that doesn't look, or from the uh, surface, that doesn't look too important. But really, if you dig a little bit more into the text, really what he's saying is, God, they're insulting the builders, but ultimately they're insulting you. Because you are the one that has called us to do this. And Nehemiah just said, God, they've insulted you. This is wrong. That's a realistic prayer on his part. And then also, finally, he prayed dependently. He was dependent on God to act and to answer. 
You see, in, in certain conditions, God's the only one, I think probably in all conditions, God's the only one that really can help us and bring the hope that we need. He was the only one who could save them from disaster and discouragement. God's abundant resources and immeasurable supplies are released through dependent prayer. We need God. We need God. It's Colossians chapter 4, be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. The third word is focus. Is focus. Nehemiah just says it this way, or rather in his memoir, this is what he says, so we rebuilt the wall. There it is. He, he prays, he, he does all of these things. I love this image. Weapons of mass distraction. And you notice they're all shaped like bombs. <laughs> I found that image and I went, oh, that is so good. And it's all these social media sites. Okay, Let me tell you something. Social media can distract us to no end. Now, there are other forms of distraction, most certainly, but I think we all understand how easily distracted we can become because of social media. And what ends up happening when we're distracted, and even things like this, it consumes us. It keeps us from being productive. And, and, and it, overwhelm, it can overwhelm our thoughts and, and everything that we're doing. Dr. Rich Gassaway, he is a, a psychologist, he he made this statement about multitasking, and I know some of you think, I'm a good multitasker. Okay, I'm, I'll leave that to you. I'm not here to debate whether or not you're, you're a good multitasker or not. But here's what Dr. Gasway said. Just know that as you multitask, <clears throat> you are vulnerable to forgetting. I thought that is so true. What ends up happening is we're not as focused as we should be or as we need to be. You see, God has called, when, when, we're, when we're forgetting things, we're forgetting what God has called us to do. We're not focused on that. We lose focus. Nehemiah remains focused on the task at hand. What was? Rebuilding the wall. What did he do? He prayed and he got back to work. He prayed and he got back to work. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on, the, not on things that are on earth, which have only temporal value. Remain focused, focused. Some years ago, Marcy and I went through a tremendous difficult time of opposition. And I will tell you, it was all-consuming. There's no way, no way around it. It was all-consuming. It, it kept me awake. It kept us awake at night. It just captivated our daytime thinking. And it was, it was just, I don't know how else to say it. We were dis I was distracted in every, in every way possible. Well, during the midst of all of this, we came into a very cr critical time in our community and because of that, I was literally thrust into some things that I wouldn't have expected to have been encouraged or challenged to do. I was giving interviews to local media. I was dealing with relief agencies. I was working virtually 24-7. It was just nonstop. And it was interesting. I had a conversation with one of my staff and kind of in the midst of all this. I'll tell you, I was tired. There's no question. I had a, I had a conversation with one of my staff and I told him this. I said, you know, even though everything else is going around me, he says, I feel, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
And I've thought back on that, and even in the middle of great opposition and criticism and adversity and all kinds of difficulties, when I turned my attention back to that which God had called me to do, I'm telling you, I was energized. I was at peace. And I would suggest this morning, if opposition, you're facing opposition, stay focused on what God has called you to do. And when you are focused on what God has called you to do, you're going to be energized. It doesn't mean that you forget the opposition around you. It doesn't mean that you just cast it aside. No. But you're just focused. You get back to rebuilding the wall. Stay focused on, what the, on the God-given task at hand. The next word is significance. Significance. It's really interesting to me <clears throat> that what we see in the story and how things kind of turn, they're rebuilding the wall, right? Okay. And, but something happens as they go back to the rebuilding, as they stay focused. A few minutes ago, I gave you this little phrase. When you stand on the devil's toes, he reacts. Remember that? Well, here it is in its full form. When you stand on the devil's toes, he reacts. You must be kicking, kicking him in the shins. What does that mean? It means... Simply, when you're doing that which God has called you to do and you're staying focused, yes, the devil's going to react, but I'm telling you, he's going to amp it up, and I would suggest we need to amp it up as well. We need to amp up our commitment, amp up the things that God has called us to do. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. You see, progress is being made. The people are doing what God has called them to do. They're staying focused. And now the gaps in the walls, there has been progress. There has been advancement. They became very angry. And look what happened. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Do you see it? When Sanballat and the crew failed in their efforts, when they belittled their qualities, derided their ambitions, mocked their optimism, lampooned their enthusiasm, undermined their confidence, magnified their problems, and demeaned their efforts, did they stop? Nope. Instead, they amped up their opposition. They became very angry, and now they put plots in place to destroy everything that God's people were doing. You see, what this tells me is that the greater the significance of what we do for the Lord, the greater the opposition. The greater the significance of the things that we do for the Lord, the greater the opposition. We should not be surprised that when we stay focused and we're rebuilding our walls, when we're working in the places that God has called us to, when we are giving generously, when we are serving wholeheartedly, when we are sharing the faith that God has put in our hearts to those in our family and our friends and our neighbors and at work, and we're living a life that honors God, let me tell you, understand, you are kicking the adversary of your souls in the shin, and he will push back. He'll push back with intensity. But I believe it's at that moment, what do we do? We push back even harder in the power and in the might of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we give even more generously. We serve even more wholeheartedly. We share even more passionately what God is doing in our lives. We push back. We push back harder than we are being pushed 
upon. You see, there's a story in the book of Acts chapter 5 that really underscores this. Because you see, the apostles were arrested for preaching and teaching about Jesus. In fact, here's what you read. The high priest and all his associates were filled with jealousy. Okay? They were angry at what was going on. And that prompted the arrest of the apostles. But here's what's cool. They were miraculously set free from jail. So what, do you, what did they do? Ah, let's go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee. And just kind of blow off. Oh, we're, we're good. You know, we had our little bout with, yeah, we just, no, what did they do? They went back out and started preaching again. It's just, it's a great story. It's a great story. In fact, and what happened is they were brought back in. They were kind of arrested a second time. And here's what Peter said. He says, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. I'm telling you. They amped up, he amped, rather let me say it this way, the apostles amped up their testimony, and the adversary of their souls amped up his opposition. And you'd think, oh man, this is it, it's over. Now we're going to go to Starbucks. It's just more than we can deal with. No, listen to what happens Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Now look at this. Day after day in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Every time the enemy will amp up something, we need to push right back and amp up in the power of the Holy Spirit and do what God has called us to do. Because I want to tell you, what we are doing for the kingdom of God is significant in the eyes of God. And when it is significant, the greater the significance, the greater the opposition. Don't, don't be surprised, but keep pushing forward and pushing back with the strength that God gives each one of us. Opposition, opposition is almost always caused by success and not failure. And let that be an encouragement to you today. Relationships is another word. It's the final word today. Or actually, i got two more words, but this is the final one in the, that I'm going to talk a little bit more about. Relationships. You notice at the end of this, they've, they're angry, they're very angry, and then here was Nehemiah's response, but we prayed to our God. Now, I know we've already talked about prayer, but what I want to underscore here are the personal pronouns that you find throughout this passage. We, us, they, our. It's all about people. There, there are relationships here. Significant relationships. <clears throat> and it is critically, to, critically important for us to remember in our rebuilding projects, in the midst of opposition, how important relationships are. It's not just Nehemiah, but it's the entire group of individuals who are building and rebuilding. What we see in Nehemiah, we see a, a partnership with heaven, but we also see a partnership with earth. We're going to pray or we're going to post a guard. You, you see, it's, it's this spiritual connection, but it's also the relationships because of it. And I would just ask this question, how are you doing building and nurturing relationships? And once again, this is not something that's uncommon in this story. 
like, a little bit like prayer. Prayer is just kind of all over the story of Nehemiah, but so are relationships. Relationships. Psalm 142 and verse number 4, the psalmist says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. My prayer this morning for you is that's not the case. But it is easy for us to become isolated or, or to think of it this way, I can do this on my own. The opposition that I referenced a moment ago that Marcy and I walked through, I think there were some times that we felt like we were alone. But nothing could have been further from the truth. I could tell you story after story of people who made sure that we knew that they were walking with us. And the strength of that is difficult to quantify. And it is important for us to understand that opposition's going to happen, but when we're walking with friends, family, relationships that we built, built and continue to, to continue to build or nurture, it doesn't take the opposition away, but I will tell you, it's much easier to endure. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born, look at this, to help in time of need. Man, that's so good. Well, I told you there are six words. That's five, and here's the sixth word. And the sixth word is to learn. Learn. One of the things that I see in this passage of Scripture and that I, that I want to leave with you today, learn that opposition is inevitable. Let, that be a, let this be a learning experience. <clears throat> Don't be surprised when opposition comes. Also, learn to pray in the middle of opposition. Or when, it, when you first sense it, pray. Don't retaliate. Don't become defensive. Or, or I could even say it this way, don't become offensive. Go after them. No, pray. Pray. I would also say, push away all the distractions and, and learn to be and remain focused on that which God has called you to do. Maybe you're just feeling opposition as a dad or a mom, whatever that might look like. Just stay focused on loving your kids. Stay focused on giving them God. I would also suggest, just as we've said, learn and understand how significant it is the things that you are doing in the name of the Lord. And it shouldn't be a surprise, again, that opposition would come. And then finally, learn, learn how vital relationships truly are. And I think one verse that would help us kind of put all of this into a, uh, to help us understand it. Paul said in Romans chapter 15, and verse number four, he said, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Can I just change that word for a moment? Help us to learn. Those things were written so that we can have hope. And that hope comes from the patient, patience and encouragement that the scriptures give us. Learn. Learn. That when opposition comes, and it will, 
So I said, when it comes, not if, when it comes, let Nehemiah be a great teacher to us, his story, to pray, knowing how significant the things are that we are doing are to the Lord. And learn all of these things. Grow. And one last thought. One last thought. Don't let the opposition discourage you. Let the trials strengthen your faith and draw you closer to Christ. Opposition. Opposition is going to come. But just as Craig Rochelle said, don't let it discourage you. Let it strengthen your faith and draw you closer to Christ. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for today. We pray that in the midst of opposition, just as we have read, studied, and thought through this morning, I pray, Lord, no discouragement. But Lord, let it strengthen us and let it, draw it, let it draw us closer to you. In the midst of all the opposition that we might face, Lord, I pray that we would pray and stay focused. Lord, we would understand how significant it is the things that you've called us to be and to do truly are. Lord, I pray that we would nurture and build the relationships that we're so privileged to have. And in the midst of opposition, God, we're going to face it head on. We're not going to run away from it. Now we're going to face it head on, but we're going to do it in a way that is godly and honors you. And Lord, this morning, if those who are watching this morning, if opposition is there, I pray, Lord, that they would face it in a godly way, just as Nehemiah has shown us. Thank you. Thank you. We give you all the praise today. In your name, Jesus. Well, this morning, if opposition is something you're facing, well, understand, first of all, it's inevitable. Get it. But would you begin by praying? And let me just get back for just a second. I said it's inevitable. There are some reasons why. The greatest opposer that we will ever face is the enemy of your soul and mine. I said it a few moments ago that Satan comes for one reason, or actually three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that's really available to all of us this morning by coming to Christ in faith. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, can I invite you to invite him to be Savior and Lord? Just pray a simple prayer. And it is really simple. Jesus, be my Savior. I declare you as Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from those things that displease you and I turn towards you. Thank you. If you pray something just as simple as that with integrity of heart, God hears that and responds. Help, let us help you journey that, that incredible decision of faith. Let us know at office at go to crossroads.com. We would count it an honor and a privilege to be able to, to journey with you your walk of faith. Regardless of what the opposition might be that you're facing today, God's greater. God's bigger. He's here to give us help and to provide us hope in the midst of every moment of opposition that you will face. So today, as we go into a time of worship, 
please remember, God is for you. God is with us, even in the midst of opposition. Blessings to you. Let's worship.